Welcome, friends and family, to random number 87. We got a full list for you today. Um, we didn't necessarily see anything theatrically. I saw Lego Movie. I let Luke off the hook for that one. Um, but other than that, did you get How to Train Your Dragon watched? I watched other stuff, so calm down. Jeez. All right, fair enough. So now you screwed yourself because now you're going to have to watch all three of them. No, that's not true. We still have another week. We have another week, but I'm watching How to Train Your Dragon 2 for next week, so you're going to have to as well. So that's you're basically absolutely all three of them now. No, that's not true at all. How is that not true? You still you give me the choice on the first one. Listen, but if you watch it, and then I'm going to be talking about the second one, you might as well watch them all three now. Or you can just fucking hold your horses and we can talk about it a week at a time. You did this to yourself. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, for our best and worst of this, this week we did Catwoman and American History X. Uh, four episodes of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, and then we watched the new Soderbergh film High Flying Bird on Netflix. Um, I didn't get caught up on I Am the Night, but I did get caught up on Deadly Class and The Passage. So, where are you sitting cool. with all those two? Uh, everything except I Am the Night. Okay. Oh, I guess I didn't watch the new Passage last night, but... Mm, I just watched it just now. Nice. I'm really liking how they're, they're, the story's progressing. It's going much quicker than I thought it was going to be. Yes. Um, I like the the way the, they're kind of giving the backstory of the vampires. Um, I figured they would be doing that. Um, it's a little bit more intriguing knowing little bits and details along the way. Um, you know, Fanning's the manipulator of this whole thing, but getting little tidbits of like his powers, I guess, along the way through the other people's stories is pretty awesome. Um, it's interesting seeing, knowing that this little girl's going to change now, but what, or if she is going to change, that's still up in the air. Um, I assume she is, but, uh, apparently there needs to be so many of these vampires before they can start consuming more. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) sure. I'm sure that was laid out last night, wasn't it? Uh, no, it's still very okay. nebulous. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I think everybody's doing a great job. Um, it was cool seeing the transition of Carter, right? Was the last vampire of the turn? Sure. Let's say I know anyone's name on the show. Uh, the last inmate that they brought in. So. Yeah. Uh, it was good seeing, um, you're seeing a little of the manipulation and also there's this divide that maybe everything we're seeing isn't so truthful uh, with the uh, army guy losing his mind um, so yeah I'm I'm delightfully surprised with this show so far it's better than I thought it was going to be especially after that first episode so Is considering it- I'm still in five episodes in or however long it is now like that's good for a show nowadays yeah for sure um how's it comparing to the book so far uh i don't remember okay fair enough i i remember like 
you know, the book was, I remember where it goes and I remember what happens, but in terms of more than like, yeah, they were trying to combat this virus and turn these people, these inmates into vampires. And then something happens. I can't say more without spoiling stuff. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I'm surprised that, um, the dude and the girl have as much free- freedom as it seems that they do. Um, oh, you mean Zach Morris? Is yeah, that what you mean? that's what I was going to say, but I held it back. But, you know, Zach Morris. Um, I think everybody's finally feeling the weight and gravity of the situation they're in. Um, trying to unlock this whole mystery. Um but yeah, I'm still in love with the. I love that they're dancing around the word vampire. Um, like we all know it's vampires, but they keep saying that they aren't vampires because the they live in the real world, even though they created these species. So, loving it. Uh, how you how you feeling about Deadly Class? Uh, I like it more every week. Nice. I think this is probably the best episode so far. Mm-hmm, um, for sure. Yeah, I still think it's kind of uh, like anachronistic that like, dude, in in like 87, like punk was dead. Come on now. These kids weren't (laughs) going to get a a whole school of punks now. That scene was dead by 87. I don't know. uh, I mean, the writers grew up in that era, so I got to believe it was somewhat true. But uh, no, I like it. Um, I think it's sort of brazen that they're directly influ- like they are making references to stuff that they are homaging in the time period that it happened that always seems weird to me yeah you know like when they were in class and like or when tension like they were doing the exact shit that the kids in the breakfast club were doing and that movie came out two years before <laughs> the show set you know yeah yeah um it's it's cool it's I mean, I could see these people, this story taking place in now times, uh, and then they reference that stuff that like pulls me back to, oh yeah, it is set in the 80s, so I mean, they don't have cell phones, and they don't have all this other stuff, but yeah, I'm really digging it. Uh, I was surprised that they're... Roland doesn't have as big as a part as I figured he might from those first couple episodes. Uh, it seems like he's walking away, but I'm sure that'll come into play. Uh, I believe this week is the Las Vegas trip, so I am so excited about this episode. Really? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't you be? I I don't ever remember that doing anything for me in the book, so I don't know. Maybe I need to reread it again. But the I was trip? like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just a thing to do. Yeah, it's fine. I'm super excited. Um, just from the little clip or like the little um, production stuff, uh, Reminder's been showing on Twitter um, how they're doing like the different animations for the things and like they're doing that through the show as well, um, telling some of the backstory and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I was thrilled to uh, one of my buddies' bands got. Uh, on the fourth episode, so I was pretty stoked to hear that song. Um, 
Yes. That I'm just loving the show. I even read a read forward and went into the vol second volume just to see if like they're kind of mixing some stuff like from later stuff. But uh, as far as I know, they aren't. But uh, yeah, it's just enriching this whole entire world that they're weaving. So I'm digging it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I to hear I'm... that you're you're enjoying it more. Yeah, but I still don't think I'm like gonna suck it off like you are. But it's I fine. It's fair. It's fair. I'm just a big fan of Revender, and I'm trying to change your mind on him, even though I know the reasons for you not looking for his work is very um, applic- applicable. So, yeah, and I've read enough of it to know that it's not for me. So, yeah, fair enough. Um, the Lego Movie Two was pretty great. Was it? Because I heard it bombed. So I think it's just bombed in the sense that it didn't make as much money as it was expecting. Um, for the most part, it feels like um, a second Lego Batman movie. Uh, he's a much bigger role than he was in the first one. Uh, they make fun of the Bat Wedding a little bit. I don't know if that was necessarily the uh, intention, but it feels like they're kind of making digs at the whole him not getting married last year. But that was funny. Uh, I love the whole way it wraps around this idea set forth by the first one where they're kind of toy storying and like they can they have presence when people aren't around but like they can they're trying to force themselves to live when they are around. Um, and then you get to see this whole different side of things from his sister's vantage point as well so yeah I really dug it of course you did like it's dumb so of course you like this listen I the for the first half of the movie I didn't know what to expect I really thought it was going to be um, going over old things and like redoing the story one but there are a few moments that hits as like, oh fuck, this is a completely different movie. And like the twist is that there isn't a twist that you're expecting. And like everything's very face value and it's just so great. And the fucking, the best use of kickstart my heart by Motley Crue I've ever seen in any movie ever. So good. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't want to sell you on the movie because I you hated B- Batman in the first one, so I this movie definitely isn't for you. But uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. I wouldn't necessarily say it's better than the first one, but it's definitely I'd say it's on par, uh, and it has a great message. It's like uh, fighting never gets you anywhere, but uh, to realize that you have greater strengths being a kind person is a much better situation than not never trusting anyone and shit like that. So mm-hmm. sounds like a message for babies. Uh, I mean, it, at the end of the day, the uh, brother and sister learn to play with each other rather than being upset that they're trying to grab each other's Legos and whatnot. So, also, Will Ferrell makes another appearance, and apparently, the uh, "Honey, Where My Pants Where My Pants" gag from the first movie is too in its real life, and uh, and uh, his wife has a drink because of it because 
He's an idiot. <laughs> Whatever, man. What's I couldn't even tell you the last time that I enjoyed seeing Will Ferrell. Listen, you have a uh, heart of ice, and I'm gonna crack it one of these days. Oh yeah, did you go see fucking Holmes and Watson? Because hmm? you love him so much. I no, wanted you didn't. to. I wanted to, but it was only in theaters for one week, and I had everything else to do that week. Trust me, if it comes on Netflix, we're fucking watching that bitch. <laughs> so, um, oh yeah, you didn't go to see Prodigy. Maybe we should do that for next week. I'm really trying to get the guts to see it. So, you're such a baby. <laughs> I am. I'm not gonna fault you for that. I am totally a child. Like I figured you were gonna see it and be like, yeah, it's not scary and everything. I'm and like. You need me for that other side that's like, yeah, I was fucking terrified because I have an overactive imagination that grabs onto all this stupid paranormal shit. So, uh, yeah. Perhaps. Possibly. Again, uh, just didn't go because we got a foot of snow dumped on us over the past two days. So Yeah. And we do have a stacked week this week. I think we got... Oh, did you, did you see Miss Bala? No, it didn't open in AMC yet. You said some shit. Uh, so what was the other stuff that you saw? Um, I watched uh, Russian Doll on Netflix, and then I watched Pen15 on Hulu. Pen15, mm. that's the... Uh... No, that's not the uh, Clint Eastwood one, is it? No, that's like 1115 or whatever. I said Pen15, you know, like oh, penis. Pen15. Uh, what the uh, hell was that about then? Uh, it's about um, these uh, thirteen-year-old girls in their first, uh, like when they go to seventh grade or eighth grade or whatever, and it's the season following them around. It's a half-hour comedy, and like the two main girls are played by thirty-year-old actors. It's kind of like the hook. <laughs> Interesting, but it's really good. Like. At first, you're kind of like, oh, they're just making the normal jokes you would. But then it really gets into, like, the relationship and, like, the pathos and what you go through as a teenager. And it's them using their experience to go back and tell this story about kids and when they're going through all these changes. Um, Plus, it's set in 2000. So, like, fucking, like, one kid's wearing a Limp Biscuit shirt and shit. (laughs) So it's a series then? Yeah, it's uh, 10 episodes, I think. Oh, right. Uh, how was Russian Doll? That didn't seem appealing at all. It's so good. Is it? Yeah, yeah it's really, really good. Hmm, we'll save that. I'll, pro- I'll watch it this week, and then we can talk about it, if you would like. Sure. That sound good? Okay. Because, uh, yeah, next week we have uh, Damn Happy Death Day 2. Fuck yeah. Uh, Battling Alita. Alita. And what's the other one? That's it. Hmm, I feel like there's one more, but I can't place it. Um, but yeah, that fucking uh, Rebel Wilson romantic comedy. Hmm, I don't think so. I'm pretty so, sure those are the only two things opening. Hmm, it'll come to me. I'm sure. Uh, so let's start out with the best and worst Catwoman in history, American history X. What do I? <laughs> What's that? 
I said, what a week. What a week indeed. Well, this is an interesting one because you had seen American History X and I hadn't, but uh-huh. I had seen Catwoman and you hadn't. So. Yeah. I don't even... I'm trying to think where I want to start this. Um, <laughs> let's start with Catwoman because it was shocking to me that last night when you finally got around to watching it, you didn't realize it's a nearly two-hour movie. And... Uh, I- because how 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 is it almost two hours long listen once you fall into that fun little groove that they made uh it just whittles right by (laughs) don't even make these jokes (laughs) uh so did you like it the second time around no god no the movie's (laughs) so bad (laughs) listen i don't think it's terrible it's not what what hold on wait 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 it's not this crazy life-changing event that like this is the worst movie I've ever seen in my life that nobody ever should see. It's just a fun little dumb little movie. It's take the fun off there. It's there's nothing fun about this. It's, it's real fun. No, it's not. <laughs> it it feels very much Okay. Let me put it this way. This movie and Green Lantern and Aquaman have that very gimmicky feel to them that this one felt very much uh, polar opposite to Aquaman. Uh, Obviously, the uh, shots of Halle Berry were very indicative of the ones that we got of Momoa from Aquaman. Um, But this feels like a a DC movie. (laughs) But it, it is a very... it's. A non-traditional Catwoman that we're used to, I guess. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like you can compare it to Green Lantern if, like, they completely changed everything about that character and he was no longer a space cop. He's just a dude who had green powers or something. Like, Catwoman doesn't have the powers of a cat. Has these people ever read a fucking comic book? Mm, See, now this makes more sense. I now I see why you have see I don't have any allegiance to DC whatsoever so I just go I'm just all right with it being a dumb little comic book movie but considering it's a different character than the comics I could see your uh angst against it well it's just dumb it's like you can tell an interesting story with Catwoman Mm -hmm. but like be like okay what if she had the powers of a cat this isn't it's like they watched. <laughs> it's like they watched Spider Man, and they were like, "Oh, you get the powers of whatever's in your name. Cool, she can stand on ledges. So good. No, fuck no." <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, that's basically the movie in a nutshell. <laughs> plus, like, plus, I can't even tell what they were doing when, like, is she, does she have a split personality and she's like hulking out when she becomes a cat woman? Cause like, you know, her patient persona doesn't seem to remember like robbing the banks or anything that's being done as Catwoman. And even they, you know, her handwriting was they like, it's two different people completely, you know, yeah. like, so are they trying to say this is like a persona that's taking over? And even then, it's fucking weird and it's dumb. <laughs> and they like 
that that basketball sequence is one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen the fucking Daredevil playground fight. Like, come on. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, everything you're saying is true. Um, yeah. It's pretty... Plus, pretty, you know, it's... Pretty rough. <laughs> it, it fails uh, in terms of, like, character. Like, none of these characters actually have conversations that don't revolve around just two women standing around talking about how hot this guy is and maybe they should fuck. That's every conversation that happens in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it didn't seem like they were really friends for the most part. Um, I mean, granted, that was all they talked about, so I don't think they really were. But um, it's such a, it was a really weak story. Um, yes. Just because it was just contrived and just ridiculous. Um, basically, a, a superhero learning her, her powers that she has. I guess not even really a superhero, but going against an evil manipulative woman who has powers from this cream? So ridiculous. Yeah. Rock hard skin from fucking aging cream. <laughs> And even that feels like, you know, it's just like, well, the bad guy's got to be something that a woman would like. Uh, makeup. Got it. We need to hook all the women with these <laughs> very pedantic base level things that we think they like. <laughs> and then the movie is shot like it's got that really gratuitous male gaze. Like there's at least three scenes of just like Halle yeah. Berry walking in that, in that suit, which what the fuck is that? That's the worst design I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that's very uh, video game-esque where it would not work for anything. <laughs> like, why does she cut the pants up? That makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, I need yeah, to I agree. all these scratches in my pants when my ass is hanging out. I love cause... I love all the points you're making because uh, I can see the movie's shortcomings now that you're... Uh, now that we're talking about this in the open, but like, I don't know. It's not terrible, but it's not. It anything, is terrible. It's not anything worthy of a comic book movie. It's It's got that, like, you know, mid 2000s, like, we're starting to, like, make money on comic books, but we're all still kind of bad at it. Like, uh, I'm really enjoying this segment because. We got into, I got into Battlestar Galactica, and I was like, why do we have to watch such intense stuff? And then I get this, and it's exactly what I asked for, and it's like, oh yeah, because I can't handle that every week, so. (laughs) And then, I mean, like, to just round it all off, this is one of, like, the worst shot movies I've seen in a long time. Like, it's it's born supremacy levels of like fucking camera shaking and weird <laughs> cutting for no, like I watched the scene where two people essentially fuck while playing basketball, but I couldn't tell you anything that happened. Like yeah. the camera was just moving is like tilting on all its axes and spinning around and we're cutting every three seconds. Like it was incomprehensible. Yeah. And then like, oh God, like the fight scene 
when at like the jewel heist when she's running along the walls and it's just like a CGI face of Halle Berry running at the camera. So, yeah. Um, the in, the action scenes where uh, she kind of go in, goes into cat mode reminded me so much of the when Aquaman was swimming through the water and shit. <laughs> it seems like they were using the same kind of visual effects cues. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty bad movie. <laughs> it was pretty bad. And I like, mean, if I would, if I owned it, I wouldn't be hurt by watching it every few years just to see, just to remember how bad it is. You have the worst like logic ever. You're like, yeah, no, I'll watch no, this because movie. all this other stuff that we're watching right now, I kind of have to pay attention. But like, I was able to do stuff while I was watching this movie just because none of it, like. There weren't little intricacies hid in the background that I'd have to pay attention that might have to come. No, it was just a dumb movie. So dumb. Like, it really is. And, like, think, this was 2004. Like, mm-hmm. Batman Begins came out the next year. Like, yeah. so it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, yeah, that was real bad. I can see why yeah, it's was on really- the worst list. I was real excited to have to fucking watch that shit again. <laughs> it was amazing that we were able to because uh, we had thought it got locked behind DC's paywall and like it was a real bitch to try and find for the most part. <laughs> yeah, like when I pulled up Amazon, it's like not available. I was like, oh, of course, it's behind DC. They got all their shit and they're, nope, not even on there. They're like, it's on Voodoo or YouTube. Take, take your choice. Pick your poison. So, moving from there to American History X, what do you think of that? Um, I don't know that I can be critical of it and make an assessment because I was just so infuriated the whole time. Understandable. Totally understandable. <laughs> it's so fucked that like this movie came out however many years ago mm-hmm. and they are painting, you know, this main character as being, you know, like, I was wrong. Here's all this rhetoric and hate and vile shit I was spewing, and it was wrong. And that's the thesis of the movie, right? Change. Like, I was indoctrinated to this way. I grew up this way. It's all wrong. This is not how it needs to be. And every time you hear the fucking president of the United States open his mouth, he's saying the exact same fucking things. Yeah. Which is why this movie's how old? Uh, I didn't check, but I want to say it's, I want to say it's like ninety five or something. And I'd say probably like ninety eight because I think it was before Fight Club, which was ninety nine. Okay, let me look it up real quick. But yeah, um, it was surprising that two decades later, for the most part, um, the, everything's so relevant, and I hate that. Um, like. I know people that think this way and it's like after watching this movie it's like how why why um I think the movie right before this um that Edward Edward Furlong was in Detroit Rock City and I loved him in that so I was like yeah I'll see this uh 98 yeah so, so I thought so yeah 20 years I mean right out of the gate you get um Edward Norton just showing that damn swastika tattoo on his chest 
And all I can think about is the dude from our party that had that same exact tattoo. It's like, these people are insane. There's no if ands or buts about it. And like you see him grow up in the prison system, I guess, and mature and realize that that shit's bullshit and lies. And like he was manipulated by people that knew he could be manipulated. And like that system and thinking is so awful for any society that and it's and then it cuts back to when his dad the cop is spewing that shit too and like we're supposed to believe like cops are these trustworthy people and like they can do no wrong and we do give them that that um confidence to to do their job but if they're like this i can't see how they would could be right and it's such an unfortunate look because you know they were this life of this family you know like there's that whole dinner scene Mm -hmm. where they're having that long debate over rodney king and the riots and how how much force is excessive force and we give the police this the right to do this and that and what if this had happened well you know like that's 90 percent of what we've been seeing break in the news in the past three four years with all these police brutality cases and cop shootings and you know like where is the line with this and like you said what if these people have these notions ingrained in them and we're expected to have them protect everybody it's i mean it's not a black and white issue across the board you know not everybody's that way not everyone would do that but it's just the hate it was hard yeah for sure um it made me super uncomfortable and i knew this was would be a good talk with you just from everything we've watched over the last year or two especially with movies like black klansman and Death Wish, like that white man with a gun has the ultimate power, and like it's so fucked. Like, yeah, I, I mean, like, look at you know, like, uh, you know, Derek Norton's character, he went to jail for three years for murdering two people. One, I'm sure he got a self defense for the guy with the gun, but you know, like, the other one was unarmed and he curb stomps the fucking kid to kill him, you know, yeah, so- and he was out of jail. He went to jail for two murders and was out in three years. Yeah. But the guy, you know, working with him in the laundry that helped him get through prison was a black man who, quote unquote, assaulted a police officer and was in there for six. You know, like. And by assault, he just dropped a TV and it hit a cop and he was able to get an assault charge on him. And it's like the system's so fucked up in so many ways. And to have a movie. Like, I probably forget forgot the back quarter of this movie so when the school scene happens i was like oh shit like you have this kid that might have actually been able to be saved and and get out of this lifestyle and he's killed because of the hate that is and that it seems like everybody's capable of and it's for fucking what like I hate this movie, but also the uncomfortable 
ness of it, I am grateful for because it reminds me to treat people a little bit better. But like, just taking the movie as a whole, like, I'm kind of sickened by the white community, and it's yeah, so it's, just, it's so rough, you know, because like twenty years it hasn't it's gotten worse, you know, like. Yeah. These people have been, you know, I, I'm sure we've talked about it before, but you know, you get that echo chamber of the internet. They're, they're, it's, it's minority, you know, like oh, even God, if you, yeah. I mean, this took place before the internet. You see him typing on the computer, and it's just a word processor. And I remember back in those days, but like now we're able to get these awful thoughts and shit beyond our fucking communities and everything, and like people are able to find these people that hate people just for these stupid reasons and it's like for fucking what for nothing oh. and you know it's just it's this stupid false grievances you know like mm-hmm. how many times i've gotten into it with people and they're like you know like you know illegals are coming here to steal our jobs it's like they're working the shittiest manual labor for four dollars an hour like you lost that job that's that was your dream job that you couldn't get we they took away from you yeah no you're just fucking you don't want people here that you don't want like mm-hmm. at least if you're gonna be an asshole admit why you're an asshole don't yeah. get these false analogies yeah for sure no <laughs> like the whole like fuck dude like the scene before they attacked the korean grocery store Mm-hmm. And he's just given that that whole speech about uh, immigrants coming across the border and they're killing people and doing this and that. And you're like, cool. The president just had a rally where he yelled about that for 45 minutes last night. Yeah. You know, like it's not a good place that we're at right mm-hmm. now. No, not even by a long shot. <sighs> Technically speaking, the movie does look great. Uh, the black and white is super crisp, like the flashback scenes. Um, I think probably three fourths of the movie is black and white because it's it's telling the story of everything that happened. But like, goddamn, just <laughs> for being on the best list, I wish it wasn't. But also, it needs to be, I guess. But then you kind of run into that fact that you're like. Why is it on the best list? You know, because, like, that's yeah. a movie in the 90s. I heard a lot. I just stuck away mm-hmm. from it because I was like, I don't need to see a fucking movie about Nazis. You know, I'm cool. But everyone's like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. And you're kind of just like, why did these people get into it? You know, like, yeah. I, I I, have friends that are smart enough, I guess. But, like, there's also a lot of people, like, when I was growing up that talked about this movie. And I was just like, I don't think you guys got the idea just knowing who they are and who they were then and who they've grown into, you know, like there's a lot of, you know, people that I would see on like my Facebook page that I've thankfully finally deleted them off and probably screwed the whole thing. But you know, the whole fucking mega crowd and fucking screaming about illegals and blacks and white power and this, and you're like, you guys fucking took the wrong message from this movie. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. What if what a difficult movie to watch though. And like that paired with Catwoman, like this week. Can we just watch Gun Day every week? Just to get out <laughs> just to wash everything away? No. Because I don't have an extra two and a half hours every week. That's fair. Uh but yeah, you got anything else for these two? Uh I'm glad this week's over. What would you recommend 
people see American History X. And again, that's the thing. I don't know that they need to. This yeah. is the problem. Because like, if you're anyway plugged into like what's going on in our society right now, like you don't need to see a movie. You see it every day. I think you know? it's a dangerous movie to recommend because I think for us that are consciously th- thinking about these things and like how can we hopefully make the world better it does shine a light on this evil that exists and like these people that are spewing this shit and like and the people that you know like we didn't talk about it but like uh stacy keach's character cam I don't think that he believes in any of this. This is all about power to him and riling yeah, up these yeah. kids that he can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like, oh my god. Was I wonder if that's not the same Cam that was in Black Klansman. Was there a Cam in Black Klansman? I haven't seen I don't remember. Is it, isn't he the uh, head honcho? The, I can't think of his name. Eddie Brock. I can't think of his goddamn oh, name. Oh no, that that's David Duke, the head of the KKK. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe I was wrong. But, like, it's such a dangerous movie to recommend because if you don't know the person that you're recommending this to, and if you if they are thoughtful of this, it does shine a light on this stupid rhetoric, but if you don't know where they lie and they are from the MAGA crowd, I guess, it would almost empower them at some point. And it's like, that's not the message. Like, it's fucking evil, man. And you, people need to snap the fuck out of it. Like, fuck. Yeah, it's fucking, it's rough. And I know I throw that, you know, the fucking, the mega term around, but like, mm-hmm. I always liken it to those fucking stupid, like, uh, competency tests, you know, that have these vague questions. It's like, not everyone in the mega crowd is racist, but yeah. all racists are in the mega crowd. But I mean, you get the same ideology from the comic skaters that's like... Yeah, it's just these... It's so weird. Cause it's these people that... I don't even understand. Like, it's, it's the people who I don't get, like... When we talk about, like, the 70% marginal tax rate that we're trying to put over $10 million earnings... And people are like, don't you fucking touch my money. And you're like, I've never seen someone defend rich white people so fucking hard in my life yeah. when they will never be part of that crowd. But you'll turn around and attack anyone who is in the same lower class standing as you because they look different. Mm-hmm. It's like, you need to look up, not across. You know, like, yeah. The yeah. problems are at the top. Yeah. So Going from there, let's get the fuck away from those movies. Um <laughs> And let's talk about some Battlestar Galactica and how fucking awesome this show is that I hate, that I love. <laughs> I believe you so, said the, this first episode out of the gate is one of the best that you it like registers up there with um, Ozymandias, right? Yeah, and you know I'm right. That episode's so fucking good. Uh, I wouldn't say it's in the top tier for me. It is great. Um, I don't know. I, I've got to think about it a little bit more. But like, essentially, these Cylons are able to chase them through space, and it's it. It reminds me of like Star Wars Eight, 
where they have this slow crawl and they're getting away and everybody's so exhausted because they've done this for like five days straight. Yeah, every, every, 33, every minutes. thirty-three minutes. And like it's it's this real time almost episode of them running away and running away and like they are the ones that have to stand stand their ground while everybody else escapes and then they're able to uh, call everybody else in and jump too and it's like then reset the clock and wait another 33 minutes it's like it's so ridiculous and um I think it's there's some really great moments where um, the ship that got away comes back to them and, like, they are very cautious, with good reason. I mean, it was missing for, I think, at that point, like, 45 minutes or so. And then that, and the Cylons hadn't showed up. For and the Cylons hadn't minutes. showed up. So when it does come into view, do they reset the clock when it comes back? In. Yeah, almost immediately resets okay. the clock, and then. Um, so they're waiting around, and like it gets to like the forty-minute mark, and they're like, "All right, maybe we're gonna be able to get some rest." So let's let's work towards that. And um, they're hailing, saying they need to talk to the president about the Cylons, and obviously that's going to be a top priority. And then there's almost no communication with the ship and they can't hail it and they can't get the slow down and it does have nukes on board so they shoot it out of the sky and they're it's such a trivial question because they don't know if they made the right call if there were people aboard if they had technical issues but it really seems like it was a cylon enabled attack that they uh saved themselves from but obviously 1500 people died and uh the the point i will bring too so there's that scene where the vipers fly across like the side of it and they're like you know we can't see anyone inside we don't know who's in there you know Mm -hmm. uh sci-fi made them do that apparently you could in the original cut you could see normal passengers in the way yep and sci-fi was like too fucking dark they're not allowed to see anybody wow I, I'm gonna have to look up on YouTube to see if they're like because that'd be fucking, that'd be rough for sure. <laughs> there was um, it, it's because I'm a giant nerd for this show. I've oh yeah, listened absolutely, to the, that's awesome. I've, I've I've listened to the commentaries okay. on the DVDs and stuff, and they talk about it. They're like, we had to darken the windows and remove the people, but yeah, you saw yeah, because I imagine if you would have just seen one person, it was like we can't shoot this thing out of the sky. Like that's fucked up. So, but like, so in that term, in the original cut, like not only did Apollo follow the orders and shoot it out, but he knew there were people on board. Yeah. So that makes it, that makes it so much more intense. And now I can see why you would say it's Ozymandias levels. Like, damn. Fuck. Like, and then you get the whole, like, uh, this whole idea of fate and gods intervening in our destinies. Because, you know, <laughs> the person who wanted to talk to the president was the the guy who knew Baltar was a traitor. 
you know, he knew that Which, he looked asylum. So I didn't think anybody was on the ship. So I felt like it was Cylons knowing that they would get to the head of the government and then be able to take them out like that. Um, I figured it was just a trick on their part, but you get this great parallel where Gaius is worried that there are no gods and he, he can save himself and like nobody's going to find out that he had a big plan to do with and like has the Cylon in his head and like so incredible like the dynamic range of this whole show and like there's so much to take in with all of this like and that's why like I love this episode because it shows everything this show can do in one episode. Yeah, out of the gate. Out of the gate. Just fucking intriguing. Um, I also love a great thing they do is like the first like, I don't know, 20 seconds or so. Like they do a recap, but then like they give 10 seconds of like bits of of the story that they're showing for this episode. Um, So it kind of prepares you for what you're going to see. Um, so then moving to the second one, you get the Cylons sabotaging the water on Galactica. And I don't know if it's, I think it's heavily garnered that the, um, Boomer pilot, is her name Boomer? Uh, that's her call sign. Her name's Sharon. Okay. Sharon. The Cylon that they revealed in the mini, the end of the miniseries, uh, finds C four and realizes there's more C four detonators gone, uh, and then they blow the water storage. Um, so now they're in a scramble to figure out where to find government or er, find water out here in the middle of space. So they're doing sweeps and everything, and um. The whole, ah, I'm so intrigued by Sharon as a character because um, if, if she's in this replicant state where she knows she's a, or not necessarily knows she's a, a Cylon, but she can see the best of people because she saw her friend give up her space, give up his space for this extraordinary mind on on earth and so that there that humanity has a better chance to survive um but then you see this this episode start and she's finding c4 and she can't tell if she planted this yet or not and if there are other cylons aboard i don't think she necessarily thinks she's a cylon yet um, there's some strange things going on, especially when she finds the detonator like next to her console when they're about to find water. And she can't say that she can find water. Like, I don't know if her programming is fighting her. I'm guessing we're going to find that on the next few episodes just because how quickly this show's moving. I was expecting a a drawn out kind of sci-fi fantasy like but like this is just on all cylinders right out of the gate yeah and i will say that's how i read that is uh you know they even say it in that opening credit you know when they're like uh 
some don't even know they're Cylons, you know, but there's basically sleeper agents. They've been programmed to infiltrate and be in there. So like, I do think her programming took over and that's why she doesn't remember planning the C4 and also why she can't say that she's found water. Like she's yeah. fighting her programming. Nice. Um, which is another thing. So there are 12 models. I'm guessing. Oh hold on. Hold on. Okay. How many do you think, you know, cause I'm sure you're just watching fucking everyone like a hawk and being like, are no, I'm island? trying not to, I'm trying not to because like, I can't get caught up in that game because I think at that point everybody is like, I even joked with you and like the way the president writes her threes. I was like, definitely a Cylon because no one in the right mind writes their threes like that. Um, but I, at this point, I think the president might be one. And I think that'd be such a huge twist near the end of the series. Um, but I believe they've said that we've seen 12 models. Obviously, they got uh, the blonde chick, Sharon, um, the dude that they left on the planet, as well as the dude they found on the planet. So that's four. Um, I think that's all we've seen so far. Yes. Um, uh, well, I mean, that was... <laughs> there, there's a possibility that we've seen more but they haven't been revealed to us as a viewer so um, yes because it's an, it's a tricky line to walk because you oh, yeah. can't because you know anytime someone shows up you know you see these people who are, do, do the rounds on TV you know and you'll see them and stuff anytime someone would show up on the show you'd immediately think they're asylum oh, you know yeah. oh, this is a new person you know awesome. but then so you have to know that some people are already cylons they just yeah. haven't revealed it yet it's such a i will say that you've seen at least two cylons that you don't know of yet nice um it's it's a great narrative because you have the Gaius that's this incredible mind that is so much smarter than everybody around him, blah, blah, blah. But, like, he also is... I don't know if he has a chip in him or something under the silent, but, like, the conversing with number six that he's doing also while holding conversations with real people, like, it's such an incredible way to tell the story and like um and it's it's even more intriguing because the six in his mind is now changing outfits that like it's not just a projection of his mind it's like there's something there and uh and also like getting him to do things right you know like she talks him into talking Adama into giving him a nuclear warhead. And I mean, Adama doesn't question it because he knows he's outgunned in the brain department next to this guy. And he just has to hope that he knows what he's doing. Um, I think Adama is, has the most street smarts out of anybody and being able to decipher the Cylon that he was in the, in the background with, um, on the one planet 
I think he's the best case for finding other Cylons, um, right? That they have oh, right I, now. Can I throw something at you that you might not remember that might uh, drive you crazy? What's that? <laughs> so, so you said that there's twelve Cylon models, right? Yeah. Do you remember that Adama knows that because someone left a note in his office? Shit. Fuck you. <laughs> So who left the note that knows the twelve Cylon models? God damn it! Uh, it's so infuriating because. Uh, so going back to Caprica, you have the Hilo that's been left there, fighting off Cylons, but then a Sharon replacement comes and gets him. Um, he they've now been on the planet for two weeks, and when they first. When she saves him, she calls him Mister, and I think that real that stuck in my mind. But I'm guessing it, he didn't notice it because he was being saved. Um, but it was such a um, red flag in my mind because, like these guys, these two have such a relationship going back, and it seems like there's a new model that doesn't have all of that knowledge. And, like, I know that she's a Cylon, but he doesn't necessarily know that Cylons can look like them. So, and, and then it obviously Ronan... blows the one, uh, the couple in half that, like, what's the blonde chick that catch, captures him? So, I'm guessing he kind of has an idea now, but. But here's here's the other thing to think about when you think about that is, one, why are they saving Hilo? Mm-hmm. And two, does this Sharon know that she's a Cylon? Yeah. The one on the one on Galactica doesn't, so maybe this one doesn't either, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's it's interesting. So that has to be a new number six because I'm guessing the one that was with Gaius died because from the explosion. Um, well, when he, they when she saved him, I guess maybe. Yeah, but they remember they said that. When she told him, when got in the miniseries, when mm-hmm. Gaius was like, "You wouldn't, it's not real. You wouldn't kill yourself," and she said, "No, my consciousness will go to another body." Yeah, fucking. But that gave the notion that there are one of these awake at a time. But then we see Sharon Boomer uh, awake at the same point. Necessarily, probably, maybe not the same narrative, but um, it could be different points in time, like they do in Westworld. And we're just not realizing it. it. It's interesting to see what you're grabbing at uh, for this. I can't tell you, you will learn, you will learn (laughs) more than you ever want to know about the Cylons. You will learn everything. So fantastic. Uh, It's so crazy. This is 15 years old that like they were able to accomplish all this. And we're, we're still talking about the first two episodes. The third episode, we get the prison ship and like this radical, uh, influencer seemingly like we were just talking about American History X and like this guy that de- commands so much attention for having these radical ideas and I think yeah because like you know they even uh, Rosalind's talking about she's like you know President Adar said we you know he would pardon him if he just apologized mm-hmm. and he says no because that would take away any respect he had within the community that he's trying to cultivate of yeah. the workers rising up. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just such a great dynamic. 
Uh, you get this great bit from um, Adama as well when he's talking about the police and the military and where the military are there to to make sure the people are safe and the police are there to help. Well, not. I forget the, well, like, the line or whatever. The but line like, is that the military is there to protect the state and the police are there to protect the people. Yeah. And once you mix them, the, the people could become the enemy. And I mean, you see, you see that happening more or less in our society right now. And it's just so wild. It's wild to think that that could take place 15 years ago. And like somebody had the foresight to like, not in my wildest dreams, I'll put this in a show and like, that's well. That's the life we're you trying know, to live the, in. <laughs> the best thing about good sci-fi is that it's a reflection of society yeah. around you, yeah. right? It's it's a way to make people look at these ideas and maybe not consciously see it around them because you see stars and spaceships and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's what sci-fi does. It's what's mm-hmm. always done. Uh, the the main problem is the same thing we're talking about in American History X is that like not much has changed in the 15, 20 years. So you're still seeing the same things they were talking about then, just we haven't changed through it yet. Um, The other interesting thing I think in this episode is how much they're fighting for, uh, you know, Rosalind, you know, she's like, they have to volunteer. They're not slaves. You know, we, we, we don't believe in slaves. There's not slave labor. That's how they treated the Cylons, right? Mm-hmm. They created AI and used them as slaves, essentially, to do their jobs. Yeah. And they rose up. So it's this nice parallel between what they did before and what they're trying to avoid now. But on their face, they see humans as more than the yeah. robots that they created. And Adama's son, like uh, Apollo, is just does such a great job. He's dealing with the uh, decision to shoot down the ship. And has to uh, get these prisoners to kind of, I don't know, more or less submit to uh, helping out, helping them get water again. And um, him not budging, but also finding a workaround and giving everybody the best case scenario. Like he's quick to think on his feet. And I, I appreciate about that appreciate that about him so much um, and that he's he's ideal yeah his idealism right you yeah. know like you know adama and Rosalind feel he's betrayed them by offering up elections within the next year and you know he's just like that's that's she's finishing out eight hours term you know there has to be elections otherwise we lose democracy and what's the point like he doesn't see it as something bad. Like it's the only way for them to survive and stay civilized is to rely on the constitution or God whatever the space damn it. is. The president can't be a Cylon because she has cancer. But does she have cancer? God damn it. The Can liter- robots get cancer? This is literally just breaking my brain right now as I'm thinking about it. Um, when she reveals that to Apollo and like, ah, fuck. So this show's so goddamn good. <laughs> Fuck. And like we're four episodes into it. Like, god damn it. I love it. And now to the fourth episode when we learn about Starbucks 
training in uh, Zakadama. Which, uh, like, for all the stuff that BSG tries to make me care about, I never cared about Zakadama, and I never will. Are you kidding me? I don't fucking care about that. The only good thing that comes out of that is when she admits to Adama what happened. Yeah. And she's breaking down as this to her father figure. Dude, I feel so betrayed. I have goosebumps on my fucking arm just thinking about that moment. And Adama, what, when he's just like walk out of here while yeah. you still can. He just learned that like she did have everything to do with his death and like it was still an accident, but it could have been prevented and still have a son, but then he didn't talk to... Oh, my God. This show is so good. Fuck. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, and then so we get, uh, you know, her lingering guilt over what she did to Zach, and she's supposed to be training the new crew, recruits because apparently they... What did it say? They have 40 Vipers, but only 21 pilots. Yeah. So they essentially have to train... Pull from the pool of who they can to train new pilots to fight. <laughs> Um, and she refuses to do it essentially because she doesn't want to get. But then you see her out. take on six Cylons and and do a pretty good job of taking them head on. Um, it's the last one that gets her in like the episode. I fucking hate where it ends. Like it, it ends the with her. Be continued. Yeah, her fucking ejecting on this planet, and now they're in a race because the Cylons know where they are. They're trying to get water. And now their best fighter pilot is marooned on this planet. And all they know is that the, where she was, her, her yeah, because, Viper was taken out. Like she has no communication. Yeah, well, not even that. They, they lost her on Dreadus before then, remember? Yeah. So they actually don't know where she is. Huh? Fucking A. Yeah, I really hated where the but I'm I'm guessing she's such a big figurehead that she'll be back. But like, we kind of have this running clock like we did with um, Breaking Bad, where like we start out the series knowing that cancer is a factor in this more this figurehead of the show. So I, I I'm guessing the first few seasons at least take take place in this very small window of seven months or whatever. Uh, I'm guessing they get to the elections. God damn. This show is great. I'm excited uh, yeah. to see what's, what's all going to unfold with it. Yeah. It's, God damn. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. And I can't, man, like <laughs> some of the stuff that I know that's coming up, I'm just so fucking excited for. <laughs> um, and the other thing that I can note, you're excited for, or I can tell that you like the show is because you know everyone's name. Yeah, like you couldn't even do that for fucking whatever we were talking about earlier. Cat oh man, it, it probably it probably took four seasons to remember Hank's name in Breaking Bad. <laughs> but like, I'm fucking in for this show. Four episodes. This is four episodes of fucking BSG. Goddamn, it's brilliant. <sighs> it is. I'm so excited. Motherfucker. So, from there, the last bit, uh, how did you feel about Soderbergh's new film, High Flying Bird, on Netflix? I really liked it. I think I would have liked it more if I understood anything about basketball or sports, but... 
when I first like, saw it was a basketball movie, I was like, I what the fuck are you getting me into? But having having realized that you follow directors more than whatever the movie is they're doing. And since I fell in love with Soderbergh over Lucky Lucky Logan and like kind of been like he's been hit or miss for me so far. Uh, Mosaic sure. was kind of a mess, but like, but that's because like when you watch what he does, he doesn't conform to a genre. Yeah. You know, like he just goes all over the place. Yeah, and I like that about him, and I really like this fucking movie. Um. So yeah, I mean, like I was a little thrown when I was just like, because the whole thing is about an agent and NBA standoff between like the players association and the owners mm-hmm. over pay and there's like a strike. And I was just like, what's a players association? What <laughs> I understand the mechanics of basketball, but not this kind of behind the scenes and all the talks about rookies and like what they're getting signed on for and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but that said, like the actual movie essentially could have been a play. It's all like, snap fast dialogue is what they're doing here yeah for sure um i kind of equate it to being like a thinking man's whiplash where like there's so many balls in play and you're trying to keep track of everything and then when it starts to finally slide into place and you see what it took to get those and like this takes place over three days time um this I thought it was going to be a Jerry Maguire-esque movie where uh, he's getting fired from his job and takes a few players and, like, but, no, he kind of wrangled this whole situation in just because somebody told him to or challenged him to. And it was really incredible to see how that all took place and, like, the uh, sideways banter and, like, uh domino did a great job um the main lawyer was incredible like the the dialogue was very witty um i was able like i don't know anything about basketball or anything like that it's probably my least favorite sport and like yeah i was being able to keep up with whatever everything was happening in the agents and the representation and all that shit so yeah i think it's really great well done movie plus uh Plus coops in it, so. Yeah. Uh, this was all shot on iPhones, wasn't it? Yeah, that's apparently his fucking thing now. Like, come hey, on, man. man. Just... That's fucking awesome. Fucking the $1,500 phone that you can just put in your pocket. Like, imagine what we're going to get in 10 years from kids that are able to accomplish this. And, like, growing up. And, like, we're still going to go through a lot of Netflix misses <laughs> and like shit that people are hoping that are but like in a decade we're probably gonna get some really quality shit on not hard to do films. And here's the other thing I want to point out because it's been happening a lot lately <laughs> is when these movies are released on Netflix and they immediately start talking about Netflix. Yeah, I it drives me nuts when oh, he's yeah. just like. You know, he's just like, oh, yeah, we got a plan. We're going to go to Netflix for live streaming. And I'm like, fuck off. Come on. <laughs> I didn't catch that till right now. But, yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, but it's smart. Like, it's it's a way to 
for them to talk about, which I could definitely see this movie going and having a theatrical run. I think it probably would have done poorly just because what else is out there right now and people aren't necessarily like it would have been hard to put down money for a basketball film that I didn't know anything about, but I think I would have seen Soderbergh's name and I would have been like, yeah, I'll try it out. But yeah, pretty much. Um, and also, like, it's just another one of those things that makes me hate Castle Rock more. Cause, like, yes, I know Andre Holland. That's where good. the fucking guy was from. Um, yeah. And he's so good in this and he's so yeah. good in other stuff, but, like, he's so bad in that show. Yeah, like, I yeah, can't believe sure. it. Oh, it's so good. Um, but this this movie actually made me appreciate Mosaic a little bit more. Oh yeah, yeah. So I don't know if I ever want to uh, rewatch that, but like, did did Catwoman help you appreciate it more? <sighs> With Sharon Stone's abysmal performance in Catwoman and how good she is in Mosaic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, God damn it, Catwoman's so really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I want to fight for these movies, but I think it's going to be really hard to do it once we near the ends of these lists. But Oh, I don't even know we're going to make it to the end before <laughs> you start. <laughs> uh, but yeah, really, really check out High Flying Bird on Netflix. It's worth it. Yeah, it is. It's there. Just watch it. Uh, so let's wrap on that. Um, so then what are we watching next week? We got Alita... Um, happy death day to no say it it's happy death day to you happy death day to you um, fuck yeah because that title's brilliant it's something for sure um, and then former episodes of Battlestar Galactica um, maybe I need to check because I, I can't remember if we do Four, four, and three, or if we had to do four, three, and two, uh, I believe there's the... 13 episodes, so I think it's four, four, five. Well, I think we're gonna do four, four, three, two then because the finale's a oh, two. Oh, okay, okay, well, I will figure it out. So, yeah, four more episodes of BSG, right on. Um, are we doing a best and worst list next week? Um, let's not, and let's do the how to train your dragon. One and two. Don't don't tell me this. I'm not doing it. Come on, man. You don't want to have this conversation. All right. I, let's do the first one, but, though. But I was alluding to the fact that we have to watch Umbrella Academy, too. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, so let's skip Mess and Worse, but we'll do the um, print the screen adaptation, uh, because that's coming out on Netflix, right? Yep. And we're doing the we're reading the first volume of Umbrella Academy. I believe on Comixology it's five bucks right now for like the next three days. So grab that up, read it along with us, and then uh, catch the series. Is it how long is the series then on Netflix? I haven't looked. It's at least eight episodes. I know that. Let me check real quick. Because I know, like, early reviews said they watched eight episodes, but I don't know if that was the full season or not. Hmm. Let me see. That. Who's it? Well. Let's see. Super strong. Great radio. Uh, (laughs) It's 
looks like just an hour. Well, it's an hour long series, but it's not giving me how many episodes there are. Uh, like I said, I saw early reviews and they said they watched eight episodes for review. Yeah. But I just don't know if that's where the cutoff screeners, if there's more after or what. So. so that'll be this weekend. So read that first volume, catch that first season, and we'll watch all that shit. And we'll get back to you next week. Cool. Peace, pineapple, and all that good stuff. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> don't be racist.